You are listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Welcome, fellow island lovers. You're listening to A History of the Caribbean in 100 Objects. This is a podcast about the rich history of the cultures and societies of the Caribbean told through objects from the earliest period to modern times. I'm Alice Sampson. I'm a Caribbean archaeologist and a lecturer at the University of Leicester. And I am Angus Moll. I'm also a Caribbean archaeologist and I'm a postdoctoral fellow at Stanford University. Alice, I'm, uh, I'm hungry for another, uh, another object. What's on the menu? Well, in this episode, we're going to talk about the history of the Caribbean by looking at a body stamp. What is a body stamp and what does it look like? Angus, can you tell us a little bit about these things? Well, I was already saying I was feeling hungry, Alice. So (laughs) to me, the object that I'm looking right now at is this particular image. I'm looking at six objects that to me look like cookies. They're (laughs) they're round. They are kind of brownish tinted in different uh, shapes or hues of brown. And you know what? I'm not a great baker myself, but my fiance is. And whenever she's uh, baking cookies, she always decorates them a little bit. You know, diff- different motifs on them, different different yeah. lines, things like that. And that's exactly what I'm seeing here. So I'm seeing circle-shaped things with different motifs on them that are brown. To me, they're cookies. Exactly. They do look a little bit like cookies. So they're about sort of four to six centimeters in diameter, maybe Ooh. about half a centimeter to a centimeter thick. And they look like someone has indeed got wet cookie dough, got a fork and made all kinds of patterns in it, lines and dots and decorated them all differently before popping them in the oven. So they're, they're incised all over with these geometric patterns and triangles and circles, clearly made with kind of a pointed object um, pushed into and dragged across uh, the wet clay. And if you, if you get oh, up close so to these clay. things... So they're clay they're not they're not actually cookie dough oh you teaser oh no (laughs) i know it's very disappointing it's very disappointing they do look they do look very very much like like cookies and if you if you get sort of close up to them and we've got a little photograph here in front of us a a picture i took underneath a microscope just to get a a close-up of the surface of these of these body stamps and you can you can really see how how someone's got a pointed object and gouged it into the wet clay and you you can see the sort of consistency of the of the clay there as 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 well and they must have been quite fun and, and quite quick to make really they're quite simple objects there's not a huge amount of craftsmanship that's 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 gone into these things yeah no they seem like like a very personal kind of, of thing that you'd be making because uh, especially the ones that I'm looking all ra- at right now they they sort of have the same kind of motifs going on but at the same time they're also all looking very very differently so um mm. where, where where are these objects actually coming from Alice well, I can tell a little bit of a story about these objects because I excavated them um, myself or with, with my team. And these six come from a place, um, come from a site near a place called Nizibong. And Nizibong is in the Eastern Dominican Republic. And in Nizibong, on the coast, there's um, an indigenous pre-Columbian settlement site, so a village site where I did some archaeological um, excavations and archaeological field there, field work there with, with students from the University of Puerto Rico and colleagues from the um, Dominican Museum and and also some lo- local local um, people from from Igway. I worked there in in the summer of 2013, and we excavated these particular 
body stamps from um, an area, from the household area, basically, from household rubbish dumps, from household midden um, areas where they were found with a whole load of other sort of domestic refuse, food remains, fish bones, shells, um, pottery and cooking pots and plates and things like that. And so these were probably um, objects that people had in their daily lives um, around their house and um, and used on a, on a daily basis. And the, the sort of repeating geometric patterns that you can see on these um, body stamps are very much like the kind of patterns that um, people also made on their pottery and on woodwork and, and things like that. So they're very characteristic of, in, in, in terms of these examples, they're very characteristic of late pre-Columbian art styles, if you like. Right. And that's so, of course, you found these at, uh, at Nisibon. They have been found in other places as well. In um, Often they're found in archaeological excavations. But aside from that, there's many of them on display in, in museums across the Caribbean. Because these type of objects are, of course, uh, found all over the Caribbean. The Caribbean mainland as well. Venezuela, where you have uh, roller pins kind of thingies. Sometimes they are in other places in the Caribbean. For example, I've seen them in Cuba, uh, personally, where they were... Uh, uh, decorated on both sides. Are these decorated on both sides, Ellis? Do you know, that's a really good question. I cannot remember if these are decorated on both sides. I think they're just decorated on one side, these these particular ones. Right. And I mean, you also have them, um, you also have them in, uh, in, in square shapes, for example, and, you have an, mm-hmm. and the, the decorations on them are very contextually or culturally dependent, I, uh, I would say. So yeah, um, there's an, another variant of them is with little little handles, like that, like an actual stamp, like we would also know mm-hmm. it. Like yeah, so so I mean, this this presumably gives gives a clue um, as to their use. So they were meant to be sort of you know held, um, but as and, and we call them body stamps, right? So what do you think they were actually used for this? Were they used to stamp bodies? And if they were used to stamp bodies, then whose bodies and with what? That's always a good question. What uh, when, when stamping goes on and bodies goes on, what what <laughs> what what happens there? It's it's a good point actually because I do not think. I mean, maybe maybe you know, or if somebody in the audience actually knows, if we have any historical descriptions of them being used as what we're referring to as body stamps. So body stamps, of course, has, uh, goes with the idea that these things were used to stamp bodies with. You find them in lots of places, and they're always um, labeled as, well, body stamps in English, or pintaderas, things to paint with uh, in mm. Spanish. So let's let's say that they are body stamps, right? This mm. is, you would, you would take a bit of, well, probably, paint, and put that on the stamp, and put, then put that on one part of your body or on your face, and in a way, decorating your body with these motifs that are found, uh, that we still find today, on uh, on these uh, stamps. So although we do not have any pictorial representations or even descriptions of these people stamping themselves, yeah, it these body stamps speak to the fact that these people were perhaps painting their bodies, right? Exactly. And that, you know, that, that would have looked amazing, right? So now I don't just see hard disks of clay, but I see color and bodies and movement and to, to can think about the ways that individuals decorated their bodies with these designs, which might have been personal to them, said something about their individual identity or their membership of a, a particular family or a particular in crowd or group, you know, like, like, say, designing your own clothing or having your own sort of washable tattoos. Um, and we <laughs> oh, yeah. <know laughs> yeah. Did, did you do that, Alice? Uh, washable tattoos when you were uh, when you were a kid? 
I think it's quite hip now, isn't it? Or transfers that you can stick on and then, you know, yeah, for sure. scrub I mean, off again. Maybe me- it was a little bit like that, you know? Yeah. And we certainly know from descriptions in Spanish documents that um, native peoples in the Caribbean were um, really into kind of sporting all kinds of body art um, from jewellery and lip plugs and earplugs and beads, um, beaded necklaces and feathers, uh, piercings. We have descriptions of different hairstyles. And we also have um, descriptions of uh, the use of body paints right and that's kind of ironic because even though the Spaniards described all, all the ways in which um, native people modified their bodies and and, and how they, and how they looked and the sort of care that they lavished on their bodies they still described them as naked yes, and actually when yeah. you think about all the things that people had on their bodies and the way they decorated their skin they were anything but naked right, right yeah and um, so yeah I think I think it's 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 very useful to th- it's very uh, yeah you need a bit of an imagination when you when you think about these objects and also, I think we need to exercise a little bit of a little bit of caution because they probably weren't used just to stamp bodies, right? They might have been used to stamp cloth, and might have been used to sort of stamp cotton textiles and and and, and all kinds of things. And really, we don't know what what they were used for. But often in sort of archaeological um, reconstruction drawings of say like a native village, you see um, you, the the artist often um, um, depicts people's bodies with. Um, the impressions of these body stamps on them. So we think we know what they were used for, but we're not entirely sure. So it's interesting because archaeologically, we do know not so much, we, we maybe, you know, these objects are maybe a bit difficult for us to understand how they were actually used, but uh, we do know a bit more about dyes and, and paintings and, and color in the Caribbean and how these people were making their colors. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, the funny celadoid face from Brighton Beach, right? And if you remember, then I talked about it as having this red slip. So this was basically a colorant for uh, ceramics as well. So this is not supposed to be a, a temporary colorant. This is going to be on the pot for a long time. But there were also all sorts of things that we would regard to regard as temporary colorants or dyes that could have been used uh, on bodies. Um, so there was there's the plant called Yagua. The Latin word for that is the Genipa Americana, which I think... Uh, gives a an, what what sort of color does it give again, Alice? I think that's a red one, right? I think that comes out black. Oh yes, true. <laughs> I true. think it comes out black. It stains black, maybe. Yeah, true. All right. So we we have the jaguar, which stains black, the Enipa americana. We things like fruit juice you could even use to paint with, or ruku. That one is uh, is red, bixa orellana in Latin. You could even use extracts from mango, mangrove roots, or animal grease, or bat guano, or or charcoal. There's in nature, there's lots, uh, lots of things that you can use to start painting with, which is a skill we kind of lost in, in our modern lives. Whenever we want to paint something, we just go to the store and buy a tube of paint. But even in, even in our own histories or European histories, I'm talking here, painters used all sorts of uh, different kind of uh, colorants that, that just came right out of nature. And in fact, you know, what, what is still a, a colorant that's very natural and kind of, kind of dirty if you think about it. The color red as a food colorant. Very often, uh, uh, which you find, for example, in red M&Ms. You know what that's made from, Alice? Is it still made from Agnato? It's still made from this rugu, bixa orellana, which oh. is a, which which is an, an an additive to many foodstuffs today, and and is a is a red colorant in in many foodstuffs today. That that's 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 true. It is in the case of the red M&Ms. It is not actually. It's made from <laughs> from lice. No. Red colored lice. Yes, that's it's well. It may be an urban myth, but uh, that's what I've always heard. Red I'd say I'd never eat an M M&M and M again, but I know that's you, not true. Yeah, but you are definitely correct. 
Roku is also still used in the Caribbean in many, many different, yeah, as, as, as a food colon, for example, or even to dye clothes with. So that's, that's definitely still on the, uh, on the agenda. And I think we've all once in our lives have used charcoal to paint your face with or just paint, you know, yeah, you've done that probably like an old fire and just as a kid, just probably dirty your clothes with it. I mean, your mom probably uh, knows, my mom knows that the charcoal is quite enough hard to get out of clothes. <laughs> <laughs> so in a way that's there, the people of the Caribbean, the pre-colonial people of the Caribbean, they weren't very much different than, than, than we are. They used colors in lots of different ways. Very vibrant, right? Um, if you want to have an analogy or an example that's a bit closer to home than, than us using colors, uh, there's a great, great um, chapter in a book, I think, or, or, or a paper out there, which, is called, which was written by the late Terence Turner, who uh, was an Amazonian ethnographer. And he did a lot of research among the Kayapo, which is a, a group there, an, an indigenous group. And he focused on, well, specifically what you were saying just now, the fact that although we often think of these people that are living in the forest, you know, these these wild people as being naked, they're not naked at all. They are fully dressed. They're fully dressed in according to the customs of their own culture. And here, color in the among the Kayapo, we know because Terence Turner did a lot of research on that, color is very important and used in very specifically contextual ways like uh, black being applied to signify unsocialized aspects of the body uh, of people and red which is about reaching out to other people about vitality and intensification so that would be put on your extremities and and all sorts of those little little things right just like we also have with colors like the the white wedding dress for example that's that's Mm -hmm. you know that's it's a very stereotypical thing but it's a thing still same with these colors among the Kayapo. And from research like that, we can also start thinking about how that would have worked in the Caribbean, this being dressed as part of being having your body painted. Absolutely. And, and yeah, certainly, you know, colors are part of a, a rich um, um, symbolism in, in, in any culture. But to, to get us back down, to bring us back down to the object again, I mean, do you think, do you think this would have, would have worked? Um, I tested out this, this, the stamping capabilities of these, of these six um, body stamps just by, before I took a photo um, of them when we found them on the site by pressing them lightly into, into beach sands. And they left really beautiful and really beautiful patterns um, um, behind. They worked really well. I don't know if it, it would work the same way if you dip them in, in paint or pigment and, and, and put them on skin or cloth. Um, so maybe we should think of, of other um, um, sort of hypotheses about what they what they could have been used for. Angus, what would you use one of these things for? Give it give it your give it your best guess. Uh, I don't know. Probably you could, you know, maybe dance around with them and 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 you know use them as sort of uh, I don't know pompons <laughs> or <laughs> like castanets. Like, like, yeah, like castanets. Or you could um, maybe there was just, and we didn't know about this yet, there was just an intense bureaucracy in the Caribbean and everything these people were doing, they had to stamp it off. And yeah, it maybe, wasn't about maybe, the body maybe at all. they stamping their cassava bread. Yeah, yeah, it's like, no, this this cassava bread is not good anymore after this date. And it's just not something we're picking <laughs> up on. Okay, this is just this is just me saying that I, I, I really don't really know, Alice. <laughs> yeah, no, clearly, you know, this is there's nothing wrong with a bit of wild speculation that... Um, I went to a conference last October, actually in the in the Museo del Hombre, in the in the National Dominican Museum in in Santo Domingo. And one of our one of our very esteemed colleagues and anthropologist Bernardo Vega gave a paper all about these things, all about body stamps. And he he sort of cast doubt on this idea that they were used for printing, and he proposed 
um, instead they might have actually been used in healing rituals by you know, um, indigenous healers or um, behikas, uh, as they were known, and that they were they were sort of rubbed over the body. And he got this idea from uh, a market he went to in Marrakesh in Morocco, where he where he he said very very similar sort of clay stamps were used in in healing rituals. And you know we we know that from from the Spanish chronicles that that behikas indeed um, used to touch and manipulate patients in healing rituals. So it's not, you know, it's not completely inconceivable. But of course, you know, this is this is um, all speculation. And, and what we probably need to do is um, more more research um, and um, more archaeology and right. more archaeological research to find out what their what their uses were. And there must be ways of, of, of establishing this. For sure, for sure. I mean, one way that we could establish this is by doing some experimental archaeology. And that's mm -hmm. been done in lots of different ways all across archaeology, across different regions as well. But I think this particular object, if it hasn't been done yet, because of course, just to once again acknowledge, we don't know everything about anything, everything going on in the Caribbean in terms of archaeological research. We know a lot, but it may be that this is already done by, by somebody that mm. has just done this body painting this way and can tell us, and if you can, please get in touch with us, all about how effective these things would have been to paint bodies or paint cloth with. We'd love to know. From the more... Uh, sciencey part of it, you could do residue analysis. Uh, we talked a couple of weeks ago about residue analysis, kind of residue analysis with, with pottery, right? Um, mm -hmm. uh, starch grains. Something like it could probably also not the exact same kind of starch grain analysis. May also work, maybe, I don't know. We have to talk to Jaime Pagan about that. But other types of laboratory analysis could talk, for example, about the chemical composition of anything that would have been part of the surface of this object or in the little crevasses of this object. So, yeah. There's definitely ways in there, but I think it's one of those very Caribbean objects that we actually as archaeologists don't really know that much about yet, which is, which is also why I like the Caribbean, right? Because there's these, these unique prototypical objects that we can still do so much research on. Mm, yeah, indeed, indeed. And, you know, certainly looking at these objects today has raised sort of more questions um, than, than answers. But it does make us think about the sort of rich visual culture of the, the pre-colonial Caribbean. For sure. And I guess that one thing that you don't want to do, by the way, if you um, ever encounter one of these objects yourself, if you want to do some residue analysis on it, don't go scrubbing it. Because, you know, scrubbing it will redu re remove any sort of this uh, residue. Right, Alice? Yeah, yeah, I think good, good point. And these ones here in this photo are really quite clean. And I think we've scrubbed them quite comprehensively. So I won't be doing that again in the future. Good. I mean, I fully understand that because you're actually you have to understand that archaeologists, they excavate an, uh, an object like this, which is very cool looking. If, if you get it from the ground, it's it's dirty, you can't really see what it is. And it's such a human thing to just want to go and, and start scrubbing this thing to just see what it looks like. But you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't do it. <laughs> so, all right. I guess um, I guess we've um, meandered on about this particular object uh, quite a bit, uh, which is uh, fully deserved for such a rich yet enigmatic object. It's... Um, I'm even more hungry now. I'm, I'm still thinking about cookies, Alice. I think I have to. I think I have to run out and get one of those chocolate chip cookies here down in a little coffee stall down the road. So let's uh, let's conclude this episode. Not before, of course, I tell you that we always really enjoy your feedback. Um, just email us or get us uh, get in touch with us through uh, through our comments on the podcast through your podcast player of choice, for example, to iTunes. Give us those five star ratings. 
or by now we've probably accumulated so many five-star ratings already Alice that you know maybe a four-star rating is okay too if you tell us why you are gonna give us a four-star rating most importantly still is I think to share this podcast with anybody you think may as be, be as excited about this as you or Alice or I so please keep on spreading the word about this podcast and uh, that's that's the best thing that you can do for us and in a way Caribbean culture and their very cool objects Indeed, indeed. And you can also reach out to us on Twitter at Shores of Time. And so thank you so much for listening to this episode of History of the Caribbean in 100 Objects, in which we discussed body stamps from the Dominican Republic. You can go to shoresoftime.com for illustrations and links also to further reading. Yes. Next episode, we are going to talk about the beaded zimi. And are you curious what uh, a beaded zimi is and what it has to do with the larger history of the Caribbean? You just have to turn in next time. We will speak to you then. Goodbye for now. And remember what the great Bob Marley said. In this great future, you can't forget your past. Creative Commons under the Attribution Sharealike 4.0 International License. And it was made possible thanks to a Rubicon grant from the Netherlands Organization for Scientific Research. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.